listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 80, covering The Bonding and Booby Trap with Kimberly Lajeunesse. Hello, friends. We're back. We have brought episodes... And we have brought a new friend. We did you. do that also. Well, Our she's your new friend. Well, yes. Hi. <laughs> well, she's new to the show. That too. And now she's not. Now she's now she's an old hat. She's an old hat. We can start mocking. I don't want to be a hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, please welcome to the show, old hat Kim. <laughs> I feel welcome. Well, there you As go. As well, you should. You were nervous, and then I called you a hat, and everything was fine. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> that, that old mnemonic for helping with public speaking. <laughs> Call the speaker a hat. Right. <laughs> that or imagine the audience naked, but that's really hard to do on a podcast. Imagine a naked hat. Yes. <laughs> the naked hat. That's the first. Uh, that's the first episode after the DS9 pilot. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't believe my hat doesn't have any clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, we're drunk again. I can't even tell. I'm Karen. I'm mad. <laughs> All right. So the and that's first, what DS9 is like. Apparently, now we don't even have to do that. You've saved us a little time. <laughs> Thanks for that. So the, the, we got two really good episodes this week, and the first one is the first appearance of uh, noted Trek writer uh, Ronald Moore, Ooh. which I'm happy about, and uh, it's one that Kim selected. So you got a you got a summary for us? You want to tell us what happens? Maybe I can. I don't you know who do writes that. anything. I pay attention to the written by because there's some writers I love and some writers I hate. And, and I some writers are Gene. Yeah. When it says <laughs> written by Gene Roddenberry, I say, oh. And everybody cries. But Ron Moore's the good one. He wrote most of DS9 and he wrote most of Battlestar Galactica and that guy knows what's what. Yes. Hmm. So, well, well, why don't you tell us about The Bonding, his first episode? I will. All right. So, our story today opens with the away team fartsing around on a seemingly abandoned planet. Even though they already know about the race that was there, apparently they didn't know which planet they were from somehow. <laughs> Troy senses something, but whoops, it's too late. Marla Astor, a whatever officer that no one cares about, has <laughs> perished because her party's role failed for their perception check. No one would care much except, oh no, she has a boy child. And oh no, the child's father is already dead. It sucks to be him. Captain Picard sighs over having to interact with the child, and then repeatedly expresses his hatred of children and how he thinks that having families is stupid. <laughs> this point is driven home when he tells the boy that on the Starship Enterprise, no one is alone. No one. And then apparently everyone leaves him all alone in his quarters to watch old home movies and cry. <laughs> Nail decides to get super trashed on pink grapefruit juice, and Data brings light to the fact that humans innately don't care about anything that doesn't directly affect them, and we move on. Worf tries valiantly to take the boy Wonder on as his ward, but Troy totally cock-blocks him in an action-packed cage match. Not really. <laughs> Dr. Crusher and her son have a touching moment about Mr. Dr. Crusher's death and engage in some serious hug time. Aww. But lo, what is this? Energy. Always a problem. Something is happening on the planet's surface. Apparently the resident energy beast feels that someone feels bad that someone got killed. Not bad enough to clean up the stray bombs on the surface, but whatever. Inexplicably, Marla Astor gasps shows up to whisk Jeremy away, but this is weird since she's dead. <laughs> everyone apparent, everyone takes turns trying to tell the alien that the alien is stupid and wrong, 
but it looks like his mom, so the kid is all gung-ho. Hero LaForge magics up a way to block the being, but it presses the right button combo to do a super punch and comes back <laughs> aboard. It shows the boy his cat from Earth and he's totally into it, but everyone wants him to be sad instead. They call all the ship's orphans over to Jer's fake Earth house for story time. They share tear-filled stories about how much life sucks, but it's okay, since Worf wants to be Jeremy's official bro. <laughs> the alien decides that its blood debt is fulfilled because sad stories and vanishes. Worf and bro light candles and sing happy birthday in Klingon, and then everyone goes home happy. The end. Very nice. <laughs> Worf, the Adventures of Worf and Bro is totally a uh, spinoff that I would have watched. And we're going to see this kid every episode from now on, right? Like oh, he sure. He's, cast. Yeah, he's joined by the joined at the hip with Worf, so mm, we will constantly see him always. Because Worf adopted him. Yes, clearly. And he's part of the house of whatever Worf... House the house of, of Worf. Now. Yes. Wharf House. Wharf House, right. Wharf House! <laughs> I was actually thinking it sounded a bit German. Wharf House, H-A-U-S. Wharf Hausen. Yes. So uh, you got a good thing, bad thing for us, Kim? I like Wharf. Okay. That's my good thing. It's, a, it's an episode with Wharf in it, and he's my favorite. He has so much honor. <laughs> yes, and I see in your notes that you've written it the, the uh, Canadian way. Honor. Uh, there is no other way. Listen, this is a thing that has come up many times, Matt, and I have made peace with it. You, you, Things be like one way where you are and another way like how I am. <laughs> you and the honor bond, very British. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm curious how Klingons spell it is all I'm saying. I wasn't saying your way is different, you know, your way is bad or my way is good or whatever. Just I wonder if the Klingons spell it with a U or if they but, spell it with Much like, like Eskimos, Klingons have over 400 words for honor. Of course. Klingons don't have U's. They don't? <laughs> I don't know. They have a lot of apostrophes. They use the letter Q a lot. They use so many Qs, they must have a U. No, because they only not, recently that's not a developed letter? the letter Isn't O, because they used no. to be Klingons. <laughs> well, do you, do you speak Klingon? I mean, maybe you can maybe you can finally settle some problems for us. I, ha I have the dictionary. Of course you do. <laughs> why Why is this the first time you've been on the show? <laughs> Episode 80, what, what are we up to 80 now and find out, oh, somebody who knows Klingon. It's about damn time. <laughs> I don't. I don't actually know it. Sure, you, you do. Love it. I mean, of course I do. And I have star dates memorized. Come on, you do, talk yourself up. It's okay. Uh, kapla. There you <laughs> go. That means kapla. <laughs> uh, that means I have hit myself in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> so my bad thing is that, like so many other episodes, this is a very long, drawn out. The moral of the story is humans have feelings. Yeah, they do, and they're going to tell you about them all day long. See, the thing is, I, and, and this leads right into my good thing, emotionally, this episode is amazing. I mean, I may just be assuming that since Ron Moore's name on it, it all comes from him, but damn. I mean, I've been waiting for the show to grow up, to handle relationships and emotional stuff in a more mature way, and this is where it happens. And the sad stuff is actually sad. It's, it's like a punch to the gut. It's like, oh, yeah, the, the, people die on starships, and their families are here, and ow. And the Wesley and stuff's actually good, and... And if they have children, then they're important enough to talk about for an hour. Right. Especially no. if a ghost decides to become uh, ghosts. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Oh, no, Captain I just think... Picard. Well, so he's he's done uh, he's done uh, Christmas Carol enough that he's fine with that. 
Oh, here we go again. Another ghost. I know what the true meaning of Christmas is. It's why I give to UNICEF every year. <laughs> Jeez. I, I just, I think, like, and again, I think it's probably Ron Moore. I think they handle a lot of stuff that could have been really clumsy and overdramatic in previous seasons, but it works here. It's like, this chick's dead and we're going to deal with it for a while. And I really don't think we needed a ghost. And that leads me into my bad thing. Uh, on the long list of pseudo-scientific stuff that I don't care for in Star Trek, energy beings are way the hell up there. And energy beings that can take the form of a human to the extent that a kid can be fooled into thinking it's dead mom makes no goddamn sense. I just, I, it's a ghost. I don't care how what techno babble you, you dress it up with. It's a ghost. Now I'm willing to buy that the kid buy like the kid figures that it's his his mom just because when if your mom dies that day. And then she shows up in your apartment to tell no, you she's not dead. No, if some horrible energy jerk shows up in a mom suit, I'm probably not going to buy it. She's not going to smell like my mom. don't know like how real mom. her energy is, though. She's not going to hug like my mom. Like, the real test would be, okay, make me cookies. Yeah. <laughs> if your cookies are like my mom's cookies, then all right. And then she would go, all right, computer, cookies. Yeah. And you'd be like, yep, these are exactly how mom made them. Oh, uh, mom, you sure can <laughs> hydrate a pizza. <laughs> The thing is, this is uh, that that bad thing is sort of my prejudice. I don't like pseudoscience in Star Trek, but that said, it still works. It's fucking it's it's to have this kid lose his mom, be sad, then have her come back and have who are supposed to be the good guys trying to support him pulling him away from her mm -hmm. is is kind of powerful and kind of awful, and I like that. Yeah. So no, despite the, um, the fact that I don't like the whole energy being thing, I, I do like that whole emotional dynamic. Yeah, the actual art, like the actual emotional arc of this is is just awesome. It's yeah, just a it shame is. that it's that they use Ghost Dead to bring it home. Eh, like I said, that's my prejudice, and I can put that aside because emotionally it really works. And three quarters of this episode is just people standing around talking about how sad they are, mm -hmm. and it's still a good episode. Not that you could tell from the trailer we watched before the oh, episode. God. <laughs> So, Matt, what about you? Good thing, bad thing. All right, I really like the bonding of Worf and Jeremy. Uh, Michael Dorn is very clearly acting his ass off in this one, especially after Lieutenant Astor dies at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, the guilt's there, and he plays it really well. And uh, the kid that plays Jeremy is actually a really good actor, too. Actually, uh, Kim did not agree. Like, we both thought that, and she thought maybe he could, I don't know, flail around a little more or something. Well, but... it might be just because I haven't watched any episodes, so I'm not, like, I'm not following the flow of it, so I don't know how bad it was uh, that's <laughs> in relation. Yeah, it's, he seems like an empty bucket for the beginning where he's just <laughs> sitting there blinking while everybody told him all these things. But See, I just think that's how some people react. They just sort of, like, they go numb and they're like, oh, all right. He he does very definitely look like a ventriloquist dummy, though. <laughs> There's a bit of that. He's got very hair. hard hair. Yeah, and the, the, those horrible overalls. Mm -hmm. uh, and your bad thing? Uh, it's too bad we never see this kid again. I yeah. think he's such a better idea than Alexander, the boy that nobody wanted. See, I like Alexander. I also like Alexander. He <laughs> would go off to hold up a liquor store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only one of them. Troubled oh, well. child actor. <laughs> Alexander. No, I, I like, and we'll come to this when we get to Alexander. I like the character okay, but I really like as a uh, as an obstacle for Worf, as something for him to react to and for him to lose his dignity over. I think it's hilarious. 
That's not really liking Alexander as much as it is liking Worf. Well, yeah, it's liking the plot device of Alexander. <laughs> I, I just get this image in my head of him just tripping over Alexander. Yeah, he's a prop. <laughs> uh, you're still here? <laughs> <laughs> they just set up a doll. It doesn't really matter. Alexander, well, clean up your clean, clean up your human toys. It's time for Klingon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus, when Alexander shows up, we'll get to see Kalar again, so that's cool. Oh, well, that's fine. Do we? If, yes. Well, who do you think had the kid? No, I thought she turned. <laughs> I thought she like just. We didn't see her again. She just turned up like. No, dead. she will. She will show up in in a Deliver future episode. Him. <laughs> yep. There's a whole episode where she's like, "No, this is my baby," and then yeah, my baby. No, she's not like that. No, she's no, no. Cool. <laughs> no, Beverly. That's why I guess she died because you can't have women like that on Star Trek or something. <laughs> I don't know. No, I I did quite enjoy this episode, and like I said, it's it's hard because there's a couple episodes in this series that focus on kids, and they manage to make them really good. Mm-hmm. There's the one in next season or the one after where the kid is trying to be like Data because he's sad and can't deal with his emotions, and that one's right. also really good. And of course, <laughs> there's the one where all the Enterprise crew become children, and that's yeah, pretty good. We don't talk about that. <laughs> I love I like that one. That. I like that one. Of course you do. <laughs> you like Voyager. You don't count. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely got to bring you back for Voyager so you can defend it. Because if it's just us <laughs> kicking it the whole time, that's no fun. We need someone to say this is good. So I don't know if it'll be much more than me just saying this is good. I like this one. To, you need to pick things like you can make points. You can like defend specific yeah, but points. What if there's no points? Uh, well, then you're wrong. I like Harry Kim. <laughs> Shut up! I do. Oh, you and Tedro are the only ones. <laughs> I was on a message, or what was it, a mailing list. Uh, from Harry Kim? <laughs> the actor, actually. Ah, Garrett Wang? <laughs> Wang. <laughs> Wang. <laughs> oh, Christ. No, um, let's see, going through... I, I, there's, there's a whole weird situation where Wesley is awkwardly asked to talk to this kid because his dad also died. Yeah, and they keep asking him to do it. But I've been in this situation where I'm, like, the only kid around and grown-ups keep saying, well, you do something about it. And I'm like, I don't want to. And that's exactly how they wrote him. Mm-hmm. Wes is like, what do you want me to say to this kid? I don't know. Yeah, it, I, you were saying how, like, they, they, they flat out say to him, he's like, do you know this kid? And he's like, no, why would I know this kid? He's 12. Right. I'm 17. I'm about to go off to college. How many 12-year-olds did you hang out with when you were 17? Right. I mean, admittedly, you weren't the king of the children, but... <laughs> Wesley is king of all children. <laughs> Wesley Crusher is my boyfriend. <laughs> I want a Coke. <laughs> and they also, when uh, Data is talking to uh, Nails about, uh, <laughs> about uh, Lieutenant Astor, and he says, uh, there's this whole great conversation about you know, how well did you know her, and like sort of exploring the weird things that humans say to each other. Mm. But then uh, Riker sort of implies that he slept with her. It's like, well, I knew her for a little while. Well, yeah, single woman on the ship, probably. Huh. You know, I are you gonna be Are you going to be my new daddy, Commander Riker? Gotta go! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we got machines that can prove I'm not your dad, kid. <laughs> and I think we still got one of Dr. McCoy's old boner detectors. <laughs> I, of course, can't go anywhere near it, but... No, they can't <laughs> calibrate the thing if I'm on the same deck. I tried that once and it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> the detector, not my boner. <laughs> there was. It's really funny that Troy keeps saying he's got to deal with his grief on his own. He's not. There's no way. This whole Worf thing. He's. It's too much for him. He's not going to be able to handle it. And the kid seems fine with Worf. Yep. It's like, hey, Worf, how's it going? 
It seems like it's actually a pretty good idea for him to go and talk to him about perhaps connecting emotionally. Because they're all orphans. It's got to be better than just leaving him to sit in his room and cry forever. (laughs) What was the plan there? Like, he's 12. Is he just supposed to watch himself until they get to a starbase or whatever? I mean, from what I could tell, the plan was to leave him alone and then smother him with Troy hugs, which (laughs) admittedly would work for me, but... Yeah. (laughs) I think it was probably Captain Picard's responsibility, and he just didn't want to, so he he told him to stay put. That's fair. Now, no, you're, you're a very special job. You sit here and don't bother me. <laughs> I like, I like, like, they talk about how he doesn't like kids, and they've said it a bunch of times, but they're finally starting to show, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's different reading it from the series Bible and saying he doesn't like kids. Ugh, that's boring. But when you actually show him put in a situation where he's got to deal with kids, mm-hmm. like, it's suddenly like, whoa, this is actually really good characterization. He really <laughs> hates it. I, but Patrick Stewart plays it so well. He's yes. so uncomfortable, and you get it. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, he's an important man, and he shouldn't have to deal with this crap. Who wants to sing Frere Jacques? <laughs> Spoilers, Matt. <laughs> that will make you feel better about your dead mom. <laughs> <laughs> so this this alien comes to the ship and feels bad, I guess, that they killed his, his mom, and mm. so pretends to be his mom. How is that supposed to help? <laughs> I like that her whole plan is like, well, fuck, I'll, I've got magic god powers. I'll just give him whatever he needs. Forever. I want a puppy. Done. No, he wants... Come on. He patches. wants his cat. Oh, yeah. Patches! Patches. patches. <laughs> There's a bit where they're watching home movies, or he's watching home movies on his little iPad thing. <laughs> and he's flying his cat around, who's about to vomit all over him. <laughs> just going, Patches! <laughs> love patches. <laughs> <laughs> if this was my episode, that would have been my quote. Patches! Patches! <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Lieutenant Patches was also killed on an away mission. <laughs> uh, I, I Morph had to step up and be it. his double brother. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I really do think it would have been cool to, to bring this kid back, or at least mention him. Like, when, when Morph gets dishonored later, maybe he'd say, oh, well, that sucks for Jeremy. Yeah. But nobody ever, you never see him. He's got his own, like, honorary, like, uh, sash now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's totally part of the gang, and nope, never never see him again. Well, he does get to join the Brotherhood of Orphans, so he's not go- <laughs> that going for him. Yeah, but come on, this is Star Trek. Everyone's an orphan in Star That's Trek. That's true. Orphan Even Spock's an orphan. Well, yes, except for Deanna. She wishes she was. She just stands outside their meetings, sadly brushing her hand along the door. Someday. <laughs> One day my mother's going to die. She can't live forever, right? <laughs> yes, I can, little one. Aww. Stop appearing in my death wishes for you. <laughs> this is also really the first time that we've gotten sort of a look at, at Worf's weird Klingon ritually stuff, mm-hmm. which we'll get a lot more later on. Right. And I'm pretty sure Ron Moore created most of that. Yeah, no, that, that the, the Klingon stuff is really his baby as the series goes on. And I love it. Like, yeah. I love that he's in his... And it's, it's very, like, I'm sure they just didn't have money or whatever. He's just in his quarters with a knife and some candles. But it, they, the, the, the way it's lit and the way it's edited, it actually looks really cool. And you get the feeling that, yeah, this is part of, just part of his beliefs. Yep. It's neat. Like it. It seems, like, really new still. What do you like mean? The, the Klingon stuff, like, it's not, like, well-formed later oh, on. Oh, yeah, because this more, is really the more... first time. Yeah. I like it better later. I agree, but I do think at least they're trying now. At least they're not just making them, like, Klingons are, like, mean humans. 
Yeah. <laughs> like they, they're trying to establish. No, they have different. They have different beliefs. They have different, you know, traditions. And mm-hmm. they have different traditions that make them mean humans. Right. <laughs> mean pointy humans. Mean pointy humans, as opposed to jerky pointy humans like Vulcans. Right. <laughs> well, those are pointy in a different way. Or divoted humans like Cardassians. Divot. Uh, what else? Any other things? Any uh, let's see. things Small to discuss? <laughs> Vague Troy. There was a lot of cutting to Troy where you know the next time they cut back to her, she's going to say something. Yeah, it's like a they too almost, almost gave her, like, sensing stuff, like, usefulness at the beginning of the episode, because just before they get the alert that's... Yeah. Say, saying that they're being attacked, she starts doing that whole, oh. Yeah, but it's not useful. It's not like, tell them to look out before they blow yeah, up. Yeah, no, it could almost be useful if she weren't so bi- if she weren't on the floor going, oh. <laughs> also, it's all far too vague for her to actually say anything until mm-hmm. it's too late. No, she only ever senses danger or pain or like or vague dangerous pain. Crap like that, yeah. Trouble is happening somewhere. <laughs> to one of the thousand people on this ship. What's well, wrong, Troy? Did Timmy fall down a well? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, at one point she says, I sense that this is going to be hard for Jeremy. Really? <laughs> is that what you sense? I sense that through the screen, and he's a pretend person. <laughs> it's not really sensing every time you have a thought. No. <laughs> There's actually a, an episode coming up later where she loses her powers, and she's really bitchy because she can't do normal things, and, I, and they kind of make you realize that she does like play up the powers way too much you know what I mean like everything is sensing as far as she's concerned I sense that I'm kind of hungry <laughs> no you're just uh. I sense that I'm bored now if you sense that I'm hungry that's a little something I guess <laughs> and not just because you heard my stomach growling right uh, oh you're hungry my god what an incredible psychic mind you have <laughs> you're a stomach empath <laughs> All right. Any further business? Uh, hmm. Kim, what about you? Any anything you really need to cover? Any? Mm, the Klingon lesson at the end, where they just light a bunch of candles mm-hmm. and then stand there and smile at each other. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's that's probably how... it's probably just because it's the start of the Klingon ritual type things. But shouldn't they like? punch each other or bite each other or something. Yeah, it seems like if candles are involved, they should maybe burn their hands off or yeah, something. Yeah, or then... hold, he has to hold Jeremy's hand over the flames right. so that he can become I a man. you're thinking of Fight Club. <laughs> oh, I am thinking of Fight Club. <laughs> maybe that's why Jeremy stops existing. Oh, shit! He got killed in the ritual? In the no. bonding ritual? No, he was, he was in a, a, a figment of Worf's imagination the whole time. Right. Shuttlecraft ride. <laughs> right, exactly. Or <laughs> if you are not your goddamn your goddamn bat left. <laughs> and then one of you pointed out that they're lighting two sets of candles, and Jeremy gets all his lit, and Worf's still struggling with the first one. You guys, you guys replace this with a fake candle. <laughs> you need a hand over there, Lieutenant, because I'll be happy. No, I'm fine. Because you know you showed me how to do this, and I'm doing it just fine. No, Leave me alone. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. Ah, uh, good times. I'm Worf. wonder if they were scented candles. <laughs> They're scented with the blood of his enemies. Yes, exactly. Now, the first part of this is that we light some scented candles, and then we go take a bath. 
Really? Uh, Together? Well, yeah, but it's not weird. It's not well, weird, because I said it isn't. Not well. He says it's not <laughs> weird. So I do think it's good that there were almost no, like, creepy... Because, really, yeah, Worf is taking a, a vested interest in this boy. Mm-hmm. That could have gone a really creepy way, and I'm glad they avoided all that. Yeah. There were a couple of moments, but that's just because I'm broken. Well, you know, we all... I'm sure we all saw a couple, but that's what I'm saying. There weren't a lot of... Like, when you're looking for it, they're usually everywhere. <laughs> and it seems like... I, I'm wondering if Ron Moore knew that and kind of deliberately wrote things so that people like us couldn't find jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'll just write that. Ha-ha! I'll, I'll show see. you. Yeah, I'll show ye. <laughs> Ron right. Moore's Don't Say Ye, Al. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Need to work on my impression. <laughs> All right. Any further business? Hmm... I think that's it. You can probably move on to the boob one now. No, not yet. Not yet. We have to hear Kim's quote first. I have a quote. What is your quote? I don't remember what it was. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Just put it here. Yes. We feel a loss more intensely when it's a friend. But should not the feelings run just as deep, regardless of who has died? Maybe they should, Data. Maybe if we felt any loss as keenly as we felt the death of one close to us, human history would be a lot less bloody. Ah, that was delightful. What a great quote. I enjoyed it the most. (laughs) Yes, I quite enjoyed it as well. Now, let's move on to the booby one. (laughs) This episode is called Booby Trap. (laughs) Booby. We open with Geordi on a date, but for all the cringing this scene is inducing in me, we might as well have opened with a clip from the original British The Office. Jesus. Yeah, between his sappy beach setting, the corny violinist, and the pathetic yawn yawn stretch arm move he pulls on his date, it's just... Ah! We later find out Jordy spent three days putting this together. Really? Three days? Also, Miss I Just Want to Be Friends? Why did you agree to come sit alone on the hollow beach with Jordy if you weren't interested? What did you think this was? You're kind of a jerk. Meanwhile, the Enterprise has discovered a derelict ship from a long-dead race that's been adrift for a thousand years. Picard, whose thing this week is archaeology and old stuff... Wait, that's been his thing for a while now. Maybe I was wrong about all that. Anyway, he wants to head over. Riker tries to cock-block him as usual, and Picard's all, Come on, I want to see the cool ship! And Nails is finally like, Fine, but I don't like it. So the away team beams over and sees Matt's favorite thing, skeletons. (laughs) And also realized the ship fell into a booby trap. (laughs) They announce this by doing an extreme close-up on Picard just before the commercial break, where he says the phrase, Booby Trap! Hey, that's the name of the episode! (laughs) The Enterprise is now stuck in the same asteroid field as the skeleton ship, and Geordi is given the enviable task of having to get them out of the thing. Because if there's one thing we've learned about Geordi this week, it's that he's really good about putting a lot of distance between himself and boobies. <laughs> he spends a bit of time yelling at the computer before realizing that he can do a lot more good on the holodeck yelling at a simulation of a pretty lady. Trust me, it actually makes logical sense in the episode. Somehow. Eventually, the pretty lady and Geordi work out how to fix the problem through the power of making out. Again, it sounds weird and creepy when I relay it to you, but it all has totally wholesome context in the episode. The Enterprise can escape the asteroid if, and only if, Geordi gets to at least third base with Dr. Leah Brahms. Hey, listen, I know, but it works, I'm telling you, it works. Oh, and Picard has to steer the ship out manually while Geordi's unhooking Dr. Brahms' bra, because humans are great. That part didn't really make any sense at all, actually. (laughs) So, yeah, this is the one where Geordi falls in love with a hologram. Yep. Again, forever. Yeah, well, no, this is the first time for him. Riker actually did it first. But yeah, it's, will... just, it's just more sad when Jordy does it. Yeah, when Riker does it, it's like, oh, wow, those holograms must be real if he fell for it. <laughs> Was Jordy just like, yeah, 
We all figured this is how it was going to end up. His best friend is already a robot. Yep. So my good thing, this is really a defining episode for Jordy. It's his first real solo story with any depth, because usually it's just him and Data. The writing and the acting just completely nail the character. Mm-hmm. Like, we all know guys like this. They're just a little lonely, a little sad. They're, they're great people, fun mm-hmm. to talk to, good at their job, but just not good with, you know, dating. I, I actually think the idea that Jordy's idea of a date is like this very stereotypical romantic thing. Yep. says a lot about him. Well, I think he's read about dates in books. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> well, we'll go to a beach, and I'll get her drunk on hoo-hoo may Shoo-shoo foo-foos. And then I'll have a dude with a pirate with a fiddle show up. I think it was supposed to be a gypsy with a fiddle. It well, was, whatever. but he looked like a pirate. Well, they are basically the same costume. Mm. <laughs> Pirates are just gypsies with access to boats. <laughs> Pirates are just gypsies <laughs> who have lost their eyes or hands. <laughs> That's okay, though, because they still have curses. Right. Uh, and for a bad thing, actually, it was really hard to find a bad thing. It is a fucking fantastic episode. The whole people are better than machines thing was a bit heavy-handed. It has the distinctive stink of Roddenberry about it, so I guess that. Nothing smells worse than day-old Roddenberries. Oh, God. <laughs> just, just rancid Roddenberries. <laughs> I, I really just character-wise, and, like, they really led us into the whole creepy, because I thought it was just creepy at first. Like, mm-hmm. looking back, I remember the episode where the real Abram shows up, and I thought it was going to be, like, the way she remembers it. Yeah. But no, it's actually very natural, and every step may, it just sort of makes sense, and then suddenly he's kissing a hologram, and you're like, whoa, that's creepy. Yeah, it's very clear that the computer is the one who's interested in Jordy at least, at first. But yeah, it gives him a sexy shoulder rub. Yep. He didn't ask for that. He was just trying to work with his engineer, and there might have been some flirting there. But he wasn't trying to make out with her, not really. Well, listen, if there's one thing the hologram of Leah Brahms knows about, it's shoulders. I, well, that's true. She did have those giant shoulder pads. Like her shoulders went on forever. That is that is a valid From point. the planet of the shoulder people. The, no, that, Matt, that's just women in the early 90s. No. And the I 80s. think she was just perfectly and shaped like a square. No, not a square. It's a wedge. Oh, well. It's like a rhombus. Because they, <laughs> they, they, they narrow as, as you go toward their waist. Okay. But at the top, at the shoulder part, they're, they're quite wide. I'm from the rhombus planet, Jordy. <laughs> Rhombulans. Oh. <laughs> I had to get there before he did. Uh, I All was right. going to give that one a miss. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> you didn't think of it. Uh, Kim, what about you? Good thing, bad thing? Oh, my good thing was how... Boyishly gleeful Picard is about the dusty oh, ocean. Oh, yes. He's just so happy that it exists and he gets to look at it. Oh, Nails, you've made me so happy. <laughs> so happy. No, it is funny. He practically jumps up and down and claps his hands. Yeah, I, I love the uh, the walk, the Riker-Picard walk to the transporter. Yep. When Riker's like, you're not going on this thing. No, I am number one. <laughs> You forget, you I'm can't stop me, because I I'm going to it. go, and I'm going to see how old things look, and I'm going to dust things for other things, and it's going to be the best day ever. <sighs> Captain, we've talked about this every charge. week since the pilot. You, you can't go. I'm going. <laughs> oh, too late, I went. And there's, a, there's a really great, it's a little creepy, because Riker's got this weird look. But it's a really great, like, when he comes back between Riker and Troy. But they're like, I've never seen the old man so happy before. It's it's a nice look. They just kind of, <laughs> they kind of ruin it with their goofy faces. <laughs> Did they actually tell him that? Yes. And, yeah. Troy does. Yeah. <laughs> like, We've oh, never seen so him so happy. happy. <laughs> you're so happy. Uh, and your bad thing. 
Uh, Jordy loving computers in that way. It's creepy. But like I said, it's a natural progression. It's not like he goes to go break the computer. It's so <laughs> gradual. And at the, at the end, he just gets a little kiss. Mm. But I think it's just he he's he's not totally into it because he's been lo- in love with the computer for so long. That, <laughs> and he's never been able to kiss it before that he doesn't think to. Right. He just has always wanted to. It's like the friend that's always there in front of you and you don't realize it until the end of the stupid romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> you know, like at the end of Next Gen when the credits roll and you just see Jordy and the Enterprise holding hands in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to envision that and my brain broke. Jordy and the Enterprise holding hands. <laughs> don't explain it because I like it better that way. <laughs> No, I, like I said, it, it all just felt such like a natural buildup. But then, yeah, when you stop and think about it, they have records of her personality. They made it, like, within, what do they say, 12% of the yeah, way she really like is. Yeah, there was, like, a 9%. Yeah, very small percentage discrepancy, but otherwise it's just like her. Mm-hmm. They really have the technology to simulate a person that perfectly and then I, kiss a person. Which raises the question <laughs> of why we need people anymore. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> Um, that would then the hologram you. started taking over and killing people. Yeah, until they, they can't leave the holodeck, you're fine. That's okay, they'll just invent holodeck ships. That doesn't make any sense. You're writing a Voyager episode, stop it. <laughs> I saw that one. Of course you did. <laughs> All right, Matt, tell me about your good thing and bad thing. All right, much as I liked it, much as I enjoyed the Geordi stuff, I love, love, love the single moment of Picard taking command of steering the Enterprise out of the asteroids. Oh, yeah. There's this part at the end where they figured out how the ship can, by turning the ship off and then on again, they can fly the they can fly it out of this asteroid belt. No, they and, have to turn off the warp engines and only use like thrusters, which is cool. And Jordy's like, "Well, I'll do it," and Picard's like, "No, no, I've got this." And I, yeah, I do like that. I like that he because if you're a captain, you're probably a pretty good pilot. Yeah, you kind of have to be. Yeah, and it's cool. It's mm-hmm. it's a nice no, moment. They've, um, they started doing this thing where Picard gets a badass moment every week now. Yeah. Which I am completely fine with. No, I feel like they must have met in the writer's room between seasons and said, this guy's just kind of boring. Nobody likes him like Kirk because he just doesn't do anything. So they're making him more heroic now, which I like. Mm-hmm. And I think that really works. Like, if they're going to keep doing it through season three, we know how season three ends with him maybe going away forever. With the Borg. Mm-hmm. And it would be really nice to, to spend this whole season making you fall in love with him and then make you think you're going to lose him. Like, I don't know if that's on purpose, but it seems like it seems like a nice sort of emotional arc almost. Yes. This guy's not distant and, and weird and unrelatable. He's actually really cool. Oh, now he's gone. <laughs> he doesn't even like have to be like a badass. He's just, ha- he's just got more interesting. Well, that and he's more like emotionally reachable. Like, he's, he used to be really distant and just didn't want to talk to anyone about anything, and now he seems a little more like you could have a conversation with him. Unless you're a child. Unless you're right. a child, of course. But I'd be the same way, so that's okay. fine. <laughs> Here's what kids think. Yes. Uh, and your bad thing? My bad thing is that I closed the window that I was supposed to be reading from. Uh, I'm agreeing with Kim. The computer thing is a little weird. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell if that's supposed to be the point or not. The episode plays it so completely. Like, the question of whether or not this is a weird thing never comes up. It doesn't come up until, as I say, next season or the one after, not too long from now, the real Leah Brahms shows up. And then we we go into how weird it was. Yeah, it's just, I... All I could do was think about that. And that might have, like you said, have something to do with the fact that I've seen the other episode. Right. 
But it's just, I can't imagine people watching this for the first time and just thinking, okay, does anyone else think it's weird that he's making out making out with that piece of loose leaf? But that's the thing. He doesn't make <laughs> out with the loose leaf. He just, um, they just, it's like a little peck, like, at the end. There's no, you know, there's no make-outs. And that's the only part you see. Well, that's true, but then he says end program. Mm-hmm. Then he comes, he comes back a week later. Yeah, he might come back a week later. We don't know that. I, I'm sure that comes up in uh, in uh, the other Leah Brahms one, where it's just, yeah, he's gone back a couple of times. No, he hasn't, actually. Really? I, I remember, I've seen that one a lot. That one was rerun constantly, so I've seen it a lot. Huh. No, she just sees the little speech at the very end where she's like, Jordy, I'll always be a part of you, or some creepy thing mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> I'll but like I say, right here in the episode, it all makes it just it, the context is not that creepy. It's just when you step back and look at it, you're like, "Whoa, you!" But it it all happens so naturally. It's like suddenly he's there. Like, ooh, how did he get there? But there's even a moment where Picard comes down to see what's going on, and he's got this great look. Like, what are you up to down here, you strange little man? <laughs> You know what? This is a conversation for tomorrow. Yeah. You said you were getting us out of this thing, and you needed all the power for this, and this is what you're up to, huh? Huh. Captain, I felt like making love. Do-do-do. I don't want to die a virgin. (laughs) You're still a virgin? Even Wesley's not a virgin. What's wrong with you? That's right. That's right, Commander. Shut up, Wesley. Uh, there were there were quite a few moments where I was just reminded of how British Picard is, even though he's <laughs> not British. He says scheduled at one point. He says aeroplane. Very British. Yes, very British indeed, Picard. Uh, what else? Wolf. How British am I? There was, there was a lot of really good shots of the uh, asteroid field that looked very cool. I love the look of the asteroid field. Especially very... for, like, 1990 TV. Yeah. Like, there's quite good effects. There's a shot right at the beginning when uh, Data and Wesley are playing chess right before Dejected uh, Geordi comes in. Mm-hmm. You get a great <laughs> shot of the asteroid belt outside, and it looks so friggin' cool. Dejected Geordi was always the uh, action figure variant that I wanted, but I could never quite get a hold of it. <laughs> it's the same Geordi figure, only his head's looking down like he's... <laughs> He's got a little pout face. You push the button on his back and it plays the sad Charlie Brown music. <laughs> no, it just plays wah, wah. <laughs> That's worse. Yep. He comes with Riker's trombone. <laughs> Very nice. I had an issue with the asteroid field because the asteroids like never touched the shields. Yeah, I think actually we all had that in our notes was like it would have been cool to see some bouncing off the shields. Yeah. And it's probably I mean, just a budget thing. Why, why would there be an Enterprise-shaped hole in the asteroid field? Well, there's probably just a huge amount of space between them. They don't, like, they're not, like, next to each other. They just look they that way. Be. Wow. All right. <laughs> also, like also, you look at the shots of the Enterprise it, trying to escape the asteroid belt, and there's no asteroids underneath it. Well, that's true. It's like a two-dimensional, down. yeah. It's like a road. Yes. <laughs> yeah. An asteroid? Oh. I knew it was a good idea to have you on the show. Well, that was worse <laughs> than Rombulans. That's way worse. <laughs> All my notes are about skeletons. I don't know why. You sure you don't have my notes? No. Maybe I do. <laughs> you I do like skeletons. skeletons. Yeah, and I like the alien skeletons. Those look cool. Yep. They creeped me out. I that, they were they, was it supposed to be creepy? Yes. Ah. It's like when you're raiding a tomb in real life. Like when you go to an Egyptian tomb and there's skeletons. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always raiding tombs. Exactly. You're a tomb raider. <laughs> ah, good one. <laughs> ah. 
The whole time we were on the creepy old ship, I felt like they were going to jump up and start strangling people. <laughs> See, if it was like the X-Files, they would, but, you know, no. All the while going boogity, boogity, boogity. Right. See, now this this is more an episode that I like as far as the, the keeping it within the realm of sci-fi, because everything that happened to me was very scientific, and I like that. And mm. there were no ghosts, there were no energy beings, there was no possession. Like, it's just a sad tale of an alien on a on a dead of a dead alien uh, on of a, a dead, dead skeleton and a guy falling in love with the computer. Yes, the sad <laughs> tale of a race of aliens whose teeth were glued together. <laughs> So you said, but then we saw footage of them in the past, and they didn't appear yeah, to well, have their the teeth Yeah, well, the skeleton glued had his teeth glued together. So. Well, maybe like a prankster came by and glued <laughs> all their teeth together and tied their shoelaces together, but the shoelaces have since, like, you know, been uh, worn away by time. Yes, time, time is the fire in which shoelaces burn. Right. <laughs> and all that's left is the, uh, is the teeth glue. Mm-hmm. Maybe the radiation is what glued their teeth together, and yes. they died because they couldn't chew anymore. That could be. But a horrible way to die. Yep. That's at least in my top two or three worst ways to die. <laughs> teeth, glue, radiation, yep. starvation. Right. Oh, that old chestnut. Like, yeah. I haven't heard that one a million times. Like falling, now. drowning, teeth glued together by radiation. <laughs> oh, um, so someone pointed out to me that uh, uh, booby trap spelled backwards is party boob. <laughs> So that has nothing to do with the episode, but do with this information what you will. But <laughs> party boob. <laughs> I thought he was kidding, but no, I, I I did the math. I checked it out, and it, it is correct. So uh, Jim, thank you for that. Party boob. Uh, you can hear party boob performing every weekend <laughs> <laughs> at the Holiday Inn off Exit Thirty Four. <laughs> They're not playing arenas, party boob. No. <laughs> Uh, any further things you guys want to mention, discuss? Um, oh, uh, no, this will tie into your quote. Very well. Kim? Yeah, uh, O'Brien stuff. Kim, you got uh, any further business before I do that? Mm, Coco no no. <laughs> was that the official name of the drinks that they were drinking? When, when Jordy was on the holodeck, they had these, you know, half coconut drinks with umbrellas in them and probably crazy straws. <laughs> That's what they were called, and I know because it was ridiculous, and I wrote it down. Yeah, but then we kept calling them Fru Fru Nunus and, you know, Lele. Topo Gigios. Pipi Caca. Right. I think you would be with Pipi Caca if Pupu I'm not mistaken. Right. <laughs> Such a bad influence. <laughs> he barely makes poop jokes when you're not around, and now. She's like the only one I find them funny from. Well, yeah, that's true. Poop is funny. When we were in Emerald City, you bought a stop sign. <laughs> no, I did not. I bought a poop sign. Well, that's what I'm saying. It looked like a stop sign. The same, you know, obviously the same uh, or uh, red uh, octagon and the same uh, font. But instead of stop, it says poop. It's like a stop sign, but it says right. poop. Do you have to poop when you see it? Is it like the law? No, no, no. It's okay, just a poop right. sign. <laughs> just your average run-of-the-mill poop sign. Obviously. <laughs> Is uh, is is um Jeff Goldblum still watching us poop? I think so. Yes. Because I really have to go. I wish he'd stop. <laughs> <laughs> the idea uh, is that you that he'll stop watching once he stops stuttering through his way through a sentence. Ah, might be a while then. <laughs> so never. All right. So now I have a quote, and that quote goes as as the boys from Drunken Time Travel say, "Thusly." It is exactly as they left it, number one. 
in the bottle. Ship in the bottle. Oh, good Lord. Didn't anybody here build ships in bottles when they were boys? I did not play with toys. I was never a boy. I did, sir. Thank you, Mr. O'Brien. Proceed. I did. I really did. Ships and bottles. It was great fun. I really enjoyed it. That, that scene was followed by Riker glaring at O'Brien. And you can't really get the glare in the in the audio quote. And unfortunately, it's not full on, so I can't really use it for cover art. Yeah. But it's Riker just, you fucking suck up. <laughs> what? I did. <laughs> I the thing is, keeps... I completely buy uh, O'Brien making ships and bottles. Yeah, no, I don't think he was lying. No. I'm not fully convinced. I think that O'Brien was probably a big dork. I yes. think he probably played with ships. Plus, he was a military dork. But... Yeah, plus it's a bit Britishy, so there's that as well. Very British. You know, he's Irish. <laughs> that's almost the same thing. Mm. Not quite. You're going to get your ass kicked by Irish people. I said almost. <laughs> Could have said the same. Didn't. <laughs> uh, I think my said... problem with that is that what the fuck is the point of a ship in the bottle anyway? Uh, that I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Well, Why would anyone the, do that? What the fuck is the point of watching a 20-year-old show and telling people what we think of it? I mean, you know, it's just a dumb hobby. <laughs> did you just call your show a ship in a bottle? Uh, yeah. I apparently did. Later on, <laughs> we'll review that very episode. Yes, we will, on this very program. Now, Kim, you had mentioned that you wished you could have done a quote for this episode as well, because you had something that you quite liked. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> I forget. Oh, very well. <laughs> it says, I want two quotes because I like this one, but also at the end where Data is like, right. OMG, <laughs> you use the gravitational of the pull of the asteroid, you mad genius. <laughs> I don't think Data said OMG. I could be wrong. You have used the asteroid's gravitational pull as a slingshot. Excellent. I thought I heard it. Oh, okay. Picard has been known to say WTF, so... Yes. <laughs> Suck, Picard. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but he's just so flabbergasted that Picard's <laughs> done something that's incredibly clever, and he points it out. I like that, loudly. But, but there's the whole, you know, humans are better than machines. We, we don't need machines to drive us. We drive the machines. Shut up, Gene. <laughs> it's a little too, like, power of human love, loving love. It is a curious thing. Yeah. He sure does love humans. Yeah. Other aliens are great, too. Like, like yeah. Klingons are great. Some, and... Sometimes other people do stuff. No, only humans. That's why we have a federation with lots of other races, so that we can be the best of them. I'm Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm not for, dead. Not for much longer, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any Any additional things before we... Sail away. Are we sailing? Yes, apparently we are. That is not what I meant to say at all. That's just what my mouth said. <laughs> Stupid mouth. It's gone rogue. <laughs> it's gone rogue, you. <laughs> all right. Well, Kim, you will definitely be back. This was a delight. Oh, you were going to yell at me for calling you a lady. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Let's get this straight. I have nothing against ladies. It's just that label does not work for me. Very well. Well, what I meant was that we need lady voices. I have a lady voice. Yes. And we need it's more true. of those. It's mostly dude voices, and we need some lady voices. Mm. Well, I've only got one. Well. 
but you can good. have it. Excellent. That's so sad. I have like three. <laughs> <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah, we're we're comedy dudes. We have like a voice and then another voice. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Perhaps I need to work on that then. Like, what if Captain Picard showed up? Uh, or go on. Do the other one that you're never going to do. his good friend George Takei. Not Sulu, <laughs> just George Takei. George Takei. <laughs> right. What's he doing these days? He's probably tripping balls. He's tripping balls. <laughs> right. <And> getting wicked high. <laughs> and All right. Someone just celebrated their birthday. Was it George Takei? Oh, that's right. His birthday's on 420. Yeah. It was like a month ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still high. That, that's code, you know. That's code for drugs. <laughs> that's it's, drugs code. It's a secret code. What? That nobody knows. What? What kind oh, of sorry, drugs? Sorry, nothing. Nothing. Time to go. <laughs> uh, Kim, this was delightful, though. We will definitely have you back. Matt, I guess I gotta talk to you again next week. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Until then, why don't you say the thing that we end the show with? See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.